Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is podcast 248. Yes, we're near 250. That's a milestone in podcast life. We're almost there. We'll get to it next week. But I've been talking with you about the Church of Jesus and leadership and the offices within a church, and I have spoken to you about the role of the elder. There are three words that are used interchangeably in the New Testament for the office of what we call in the West the pastor. There is the elder, the presbyteros. There is the office of the overseer. That is the episkopos. And the two are the same. Their words are used interchangeably. What I'm saying is the elder is the overseer. The overseer is the elder. And it's not usually just the, it is several. There are almost always in the Bible, a plurality of elders associated with the early churches. That's a wise thing. One person, if he's going to be dealing with a church of any size, needs other elders around him to hold him accountable, to pray with him, to work with him, to be with him. And that needs to be formalized so that everyone knows that it's not a one-man show. I've been involved in that. You've been involved in that. And it really doesn't work well. And sometimes when that's abused, that is the plurality of elders, and we follow a biblical pattern, that doesn't mean that it always works out because we have human nature involved in that and men who many times do things they shouldn't do. And that's happened uh, over and over again. I can tell you it's a whole lot better if you have a plurality of elders, godly men who hold one another accountable, and they're all dealt with the same way. You see, many times when you have elders, they want to deal with the role of the senior elder, the lead elder, and hold him to different standards than they do themselves. If you're going to be an elder, then step up to the plate. If you're not, then don't want to be in leadership. But that means that your sin is exposed just like the lead elder. Your accountability is just like the lead elder. You deal with all elders the same way. I've dealt with many congregations and they say, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to uh, get rid of the pastor if we need to? Well, first of all, you're already in the wrong frame of mind saying the wrong thing. Well, how do we dismiss a pastor? The question is not how do you dismiss a pastor? The question is, how do you discipline an elder? And that's not just the lead pastor, that's any elder. Because there are no set of rules for the lead elder versus the elders. If you're an elder, this is the way it's done. And it's not done well. Do elders sin? Yes. Have I sinned? Yes. Do elders mess up? Yes. Have I messed up? Yes. Have I sinned, made misjudgment, bad calls? Exactly. But how is that to be dealt with? Same way you deal with any elder. If there is an open accusation against an elder, it cannot be taken except that there are two or three witnesses. And if those witnesses are not willing to 
come forward in a public assembly and bear witness against that elder, they need to keep their mouth closed because, you see, that is the way it's done in the New Testament. You say, oh, yes, but that brings shame. Well, it brings shame to everybody, and it brings shame when we don't do it God's way. It doesn't matter who it is or what time period it is. When we do things God's way, that's the best way. We, just because of our culture and the fact that it makes people uncomfortable, doesn't determine how we obey the Word of God. We've got to obey the Word of God because God always gets it right. We don't. And so we say, well, you know, I know the Bible says this, but, well, there are no buts. Because if it's the Bible and if it's the inspired Word of God, which we believe it is, then we need to follow it. And that means follow it when it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for me. When there's been accusations against me, it's uncomfortable when those are brought to light. But we've got to deal with it. We can't sweep it under the rug, nor can we just say, okay, you're dismissed. We don't want to deal with you anymore. That's not the redemption that God's looking for. But what we want to do when it's a staff member, listen, I've done it. It's horrible. It's wrong. And it's a, it's a shame and a disgrace to me to look back and see how I've dealt with some staff members. But I'm just telling you, the redemptive way is to deal with it. But what we want to do is get them out of so that nobody will ever see them or hear from them again. And what churches try to do then is make sure that pastor's name is never brought up again. Why? Because there was sin involved or there was a bad blood involved or there was misjudgment involved or there was something involved. And people want to just wipe out the memory of someone. This is not right before God because where is the redemption in that? Where is the name of Christ uh, glorified in that? No, it's just like nobody knows what's going on. Well, that's not good. This secretive stuff is no good. And we need to bring things out in the open. If a pastor needs to be rebuked, he needs to be rebuked openly. If an elder needs to be disciplined, he needs to be disciplined openly so that all will see it and fear. That's what the Bible says, what Paul told Timothy to do. Is that not relevant anymore? Well, what it is, is we don't like to do that. We'd rather do it our way, the way they do it in the corporate world, and just get you out. And that's the problem. We are living more out of the handbook of corporations in America rather than the handbook of the early church, which is the Bible. When we're dealing with leadership in the church, we've got to understand that all leadership has to be dealt with the same way. That's the only formula that God's given. So all elders, all of those who have oversight, they have to be dealt with the same way. I've shared with you two of the words that describe the same office, the word elder and the word that's translated many times bishop or overseer, one who gives oversight. But there is a third word, and it's the word shepherd. And it's usually used, interestingly enough, in the verb form. For instance, in the passage that I read in the last podcast, in 1 Peter chapter 5, the elders, that's who Peter is talking to, who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder, he said, I am an elder, I'm held to the same standard as you. Yes, he was an apostle, but he also was looked upon as an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also the partaker of the glory that will be revealed. He says, shepherd the flock of God among you, serving as overseers, as episcopoi. So he said, you elders, you need to serve as overseers, yes, and you need to do that not by constraint because you have to, but willingly because you get to, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not 
just to line your pockets, but to do this eagerly because it's the will of God. If you get paid for doing it, praise the Lord. You're on the same level as a professional athlete. That's the way I look at ministry when I get paid. Look, I'm doing, if a true athlete is loves the game that he is involved in, loves the sport he's involved in, quite honestly, he would do it if he had to work and pay somebody to do it. That's the way I feel about ministry. If we truly call to ministry and to preach, listen, I have done this. I have worked two jobs so I could preach, so I could live, and tied to the church. In other words, in essence, paid to let me preach and exercise the gift that God's given me. You see, we don't we don't do what we do in order to get paid. We just get paid as a blessing for obeying God and just doing what God's given us to do. This idea of a professional clergy that we've got to be paid, and if we're not paid, we're not going to preach. Well, I'm not sure God's called you to preach. If preach is in you, you're going to preach. I mean, if you have to preach on the street, you will. That's what I did in Dallas, Texas, and some of the great men of God that are in our denomination as Southern Baptists that are leading, they were right there beside of me preaching. Why? Because we had to preach. God had called us to preach. He'd put preach in us, and we had to preach. This idea of I've got to get paid, what are they going to give me? Well, anything we get paid is by the grace of God. Now, do we need to take care of our families? Yes. Does the church need to take care of its own? Of course. But that's for another subject. That's the church's responsibility. I'm not talking to the church right now. I'm talking about all of us who claim to be leaders. Our responsibility is to preach. You let God take care of those people, and God will put on their hearts what needs to be done. They'll do the right thing if you and I'll do the right thing. And if they don't, then God will deal with them. He'll send us perhaps somewhere else. But the people have to be taught. And if they want to be taught, then they will change by the grace of God. And if they're not willing to be taught, they will die and deserve to die because they are not willing to submit to the Word of God. I don't know why that's so hard to understand. And so the Scripture says that we are to oversee the flock as elders, but we are to shepherd them. Now here is where the rub comes in in America. In the East Tennessee Valley of the state of Tennessee in the United States, that's the southeastern United States for those of you who are in other parts of the world and in other parts of the country. This is an incredible situation that we've gotten ourselves into because, you see, we have made the church the caregiver of everything. And so what most pastors do in America today in evangelical denominations, they are basically chaplains. That is, their worth and their value and their success in ministry is based on whether they're at the hospital every time someone's having surgery, having a baby, or they're doing the funeral or they're doing weddings, they're basically running a chaplaincy service. They don't have time to really study, and some of them don't study. They'd rather be out visiting. And all of that's good. Visitation, all those things have a place. But the primary purpose of the shepherd, if you ask the congregation and you ask the average congregation that I've dealt with anywhere in America, you say, what is the primary function of a shepherd? They will say, unless they've been tutored otherwise, to care for the sheep. Well, that's exactly wrong. The primary purpose and assignment for the shepherd is to find food for the sheep. 
That's how you care for the sheep primarily is to find them food. They won't find food by themselves. The shepherd has to lead them to green pastures. He has to lead them to still waters. Sheep will not drink from a fast-running stream. You have to find those little eddies, those still waters, and then they can get a good drink. And that's the primary responsibility of that shepherd is to feed the flock of God, to find food for the sheep, not to make sure that the sick are cared for and all of that, if they're well fed and they're exercised well and they have good water to drink, they're primarily going to be healthy. But we've gotten the idea in the southeastern United States and across most of America, the Midwest and West is no different, that the primary purpose of the lead elder is to make sure that everybody's visited in the hospital. Let me tell you, that's the primary work of the family. And if the family's overwhelmed, then the deacons need to be there in the church to make sure that those people are cared for. And when I talk about the role of the deacons, that's one of the roles is to care for people who cannot care for themselves, who are overwhelmed or have no one to care for them. That should not be the elders doing that. That's why in Acts chapter 6, the deacons were brought into existence so that they could keep unity in the church. They could care for those who had no one to care for them and they could teach and preach among the people. And I'll talk more about that in a future podcast. But what I'm saying to you is this, that the role of the shepherd in shepherding the sheep is twofold, to find food for the sheep and secondly, to protect them from those who would harm them. You see, the role of the shepherd needs to be making sure that whoever stands in that pulpit and whoever teaches in the small groups and whoever teaches in the Sunday schools or whatever the discipleship mechanism and training mechanism of the church is, that whoever's doing that are people that are solid, that are godly, that are teaching and preaching the truth and not heresy. This is a primary work to make sure that doctrinally and ethically and morally the church walks in the right path. This is part of shepherding the flock, finding food for the flock. And I'm telling you, you ask any shepherd in the Middle East and Israel today, what's the most important thing? And they'll tell you to find good food, good water for their sheep and to make sure that no one comes in and steals them, no one comes in and and harms them, no one comes in and does damage to the flock because they will be held responsible for it. And when you look back at King David, the greatest example of a shepherd other than the Lord Jesus, you'll find that this was the case, that he was responsible for the sheep. You look at Jacob, who was a shepherd with Laban, and you'll see that he went to Laban. He said, look, all of these things happened. An animal came in, a predator came in and took the sheep and tore them to pieces. I bore the cost of that, not you. And so this is the way that God has designed for leadership to be. There should be the elder, that seasoned, wise leader. Men who lead the church, they need to be wise, dignified. They need to have gravitas. They need to be solid doctrinally in every other way. Now, I'm telling you, just what I just named would disqualify a lot of people because now there's very little dignity in the ministry in any aspect, even in how we dress. 
You know, I'm not talking about somebody has to wear a suit, a coat, and a tie or anything. But for the Lord's sakes, iron something. Look dignified, even if you're going to wear something that would be casual. Make sure you get enough about you to either have it dry cleaned or learn how to iron. Make sure that when you get before people that they see that you are prepared and you're ready, not just with a sermonette, but also with something that's going to be a good presentation of who you are, that you understand your role. These things are very important. So an elder is a senior person, someone who is wise, someone who's dignified, someone who has gravitas, someone who is a student of the Word of God and can lead the flock. Secondly, an overseer, you're able to have supervision uh, without lording it over people, without micromanaging. You're allowing people to operate in their gifts and holding them accountable. If you need help with that, I'll be delighted to help you. Not that I know everything, but I have written a lot of material that I'll send to you. The straight A's for success, the five straight A's for success has been a model that's been used in churches across America. And it's a great model. Why? Because I based it upon biblical leadership. Then there is the shepherding of the flock, and that is you are to find food for the sheep, teach them how to eat and drink at a proper rate. That's exactly what we do is we teach people to feed themselves and to feast upon the Word of God. And your job and my job as a shepherd is to feed the flock and protect the flock. That means protect it from those who would harm and hurt. And sometimes that means when someone comes into the church and they're doing something that shouldn't be done, We have to uh, confront them. We have to deal with that. We always need to do that in love. We always need to do it redemptively. And I'm just telling you, if I could say anything to you in leaving, I believe the greatest downfall of the church of Jesus in America today is we no longer love people and the sense of redemption has left us. We don't want to pay the price to redeem people. We don't want to get involved in their lives. We just want to get them out as quickly as we can, whether it's a church member, a deacon, pastor. We just don't want to mess with them anymore. We don't want to pay the price to redeem them and to help them and to grow them. We just want them out so nobody be asking any more questions. And I'm just telling you, when we do that, we bring shame and reproach to the name of Christ. And many times, even when a deacon, an elder, a church member sins, the way we treat them is far worse than the original sin that they did as far as bringing shame to the name of Christ and confusion to the name of Christ and upset and hurt to the name of Christ. This is one reason why the churches are split to the four winds and no one has a handle on this is because we've left the template and the paradigm of the Word of God. The Bible is the plumb line for doing it right in the Scriptures. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.